0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Mortgage rates are high across the country after the Federal Reserve's many moves to curb inflation. That, combined with already high home prices, has left a lot of potential home buyers feeling locked out of the real estate market. But we're starting to get some data suggesting the winds are a-changing. Home prices in the city have been sliding for months. And just a few days ago, we learned that Chicago-area home prices dipped overall for the first time in a decade. Still, many people who might want to buy or sell in this environment are wary. So how do you navigate today's real estate market, one that's changed so much due to the pandemic and the economy? Joining us now with her thoughts is Elise Glink, former or founder rather, and CEO of the financial wellness company Best Money Moves, and author of the book, 100 Questions Every First-Time Home Buyer Should Ask. Elise, welcome to Reset.
1: It's nice to be here. Thank you.
0: If you've got a question about the real estate market, you can call us now at 866-915-WBEZ. Again, you can join the conversation by calling 866-915-WBEZ. So, Elise, what's your read on the real estate market in the Chicago area right now? Like, how would you describe the the dynamics that we're seeing?
1: Well, I think we're a whole lot more affordable than what's going on in the rest of the country. So there's a plus. Right. Silver lining, right? Yes. Um, if you look at where we've been over the last three years, it's nothing short of extraordinary. we you know, we saw fifty million people in 2020 lose their jobs in something like three weeks. It was you know something nobody ever wants to go uh, to again. And then what we saw was a mass exodus of cities. Uh, people searching for more space. So if you were in a tiny apartment, you wanted to rent a bigger apartment. If you were in the city renting, you wanted to buy in the suburbs. If you were owned in the suburbs, you moved to the rural areas. It was just this really interesting kind of waterfall of effect from the pandemic. And what's happened is that those rural areas, places like Boise, you know, that really were kind of fringe or or full on resort areas, became the place that people wanted to live full-time, and because we all got to go home, well, many of us got to go home and work from home, and nobody really wants to go back, the communities that boomed during the pandemic really have stayed very, very high-priced. And so, to your point that you made earlier, uh, prices are starting to calm down a little bit, but only because mortgage interest rates have zoomed up the fastest in history.
0: So I know a lot of people, to your point, you know, they are wary right now, right? They look at mortgage rates in the, the 6 or 7% range, and they see how much that could increase monthly payments, and then they think, yeah, no thanks, <laughs> not for me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a problem on both sides, because anybody who owned a home uh, prior to, you know, 2020 and stayed in that home refinanced at 2.6% interest, which was about as low as we got you're looking around now and saying, wow, if you're in Illinois and your credit score is the average credit score of 700, getting a 30-year fixed-rate loan is going to cost you almost 7.6%. And why would you trade 2.5% for 7.5%, right? <laughs> right. Nobody, nobody's going to do that. that. Never. Right. So they're sticking around. They're staying in their homes. And this is playing out all over the country. So not enough homes are in the market. And what you see is that people are so desperate to buy even at a 7.5% or six a 7% if you've got a perfect credit score, uh, that they are bidding up the price of homes. And so we've seen home prices come down the most in places that had that extraordinary growth, right? So places like Boise or San Francisco. But in Chicago, where we're seeing a little bit of price uh, prices come down, just a hint, I suspect it's because at the upper end we're seeing few very, very expensive homes sold and not that many more lower-priced homes sold. And so that does shift the median price, uh, which is the price that everybody seems to quote.
0: Yeah. Well, uh, this is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. New data out just last week show that Chicago-area home prices dipped overall for the first time in 10 years. And so we are talking with real estate and finance expert Elise Glink, and she's talking to us about how to navigate the market in Chicago If you're interested in buying or selling a home, reminder, we are taking your calls as well. We want to hear from you because she's got answers if you've got questions. Our number is 866-915-WBEZ. Again, 866-915-WBEZ. Elise, your book, uh, it's called 100 Questions Every Time First-Time Home Buyers Should Ask. It came out well before the pandemic upended the economy and this real estate market, but do you think this environment changes which questions first-time home buyers should be asking
1: right now? In, I don't think so. I, I think that the key question to always ask is how much can you actually afford to spend, right? Mm-hmm. And the good news about Chicago and the metro area is that with prices kind of staying pretty stable, we are a very affordable place to live compared to almost anywhere else. You know, the median price of homes in Chicago is about 279000 where uh, it's a fraction of what it is in, say, Los Angeles, (laughs) where it's about $800,000. And so you have to decide how much you can spend based on today's interest rates, what you have to put down on a house, and where it is that you want to buy. And what, of course, type of house you want to buy. None of those fundamentals change now. Mm.
0: So what you can spend where it is that you want to buy. Any other questions that you think people should be asking themselves if they're thinking about taking that plunge?
1: I I think you have to ask yourself, how are you going to live in your house? So the one new thing that I do address in the book but has become much bigger is what we said earlier, more and more people are working from home. And so your space needs have changed. And Mm -hmm. if you look at how people are shopping for homes today – they're not just looking for one home office, but a spare bedroom for two home offices. Right. Um, people don't want to share those rooms. That is They're on Zoom calls or phones. <laughs> and so you're you're thinking about your space in a different way. And not only do you want to have those two offices, you want them in different parts of the house so that you can't hear each other when you're on the phone. And so in a two- or three-bedroom condo, for example, you might have your bedroom being, you and your partner being in one place, and then the other two bedrooms you know will be divided and if your master or primary bedroom is in the middle uh and you guys are on opposite sides with you know your your office space that would work well for a whole lot of people and you're starting to see developers and architects shift the way they're planning in new home developments really? across the country to accommodate this new trend
0: that's very interesting so they're they're already starting to separate bedrooms and such just knowing that folks are turning them into offices that's Absolutely. interesting that is interesting you know something else that's top of mind for me is is whether now's the time just given the, the 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 threat that the federal government will default on loans and all this talk about the fact that we might see a recession what do you say to folks with
1: that on their mind uh might be another opportunity uh, in fact what's going to happen i th- i think is that we're probably going to see interest rates stay where they are for a little while. Everybody's really nervous in the bond market about what the Federal Reserve is going to do next. And they probably won't move interest rates up again in June, simply because we're up against this deadline with Congress having to come to some sort of budget resolution. Right. <laughs> right, And so they're probably going to take a pause there. But given how strong the economy is looking... Uh, and they're really mixed signals, right? Job market is super strong. People are still, you know, getting wage increases. They may increase again, but at some point in time, they're going to come back down. And and so if you talk to mortgage economists, what they tell you is they're planning for interest rates to start coming down next year. So even if you can, if you can get into a home now, great. You should try to do that. But know that you'll be able to refinance at some point down the line, so the sky-high interest rate you're paying today isn't going to be the thing you pay the rest of your life.
0: Mm. You know, many home buyers they want their mortgage rate to be as low as possible, right? So they opt for a five- or seven-year ARM or adjustable-rate mortgage. Can you
1: just explain how that works, Elise? Sure, I'd be happy to. So uh, I've actually used an adjustable-rate my almost- I don't know, for how many years now, 20-plus until we paid off our mortgage. Okay. Um, The way it works is a 30-year fixed rate loan right now is at about 7.5% if you've got a 700 credit score. With a five-year, though, you're going to be paying less because – the market looks at this as though it's a shorter term loan. And so you end up having a fixed amount of time that the interest rate is locked in, right? And then after that, it either converts to a one-year or perhaps even a six-month adjustable. So every six months or every year, the rate will adjust based on where the market is. So if the market goes down, right, the interest rates go down, Mm -hmm. your loan would adjust downward. If interest rates go up, they would adjust upward. But there's a cap overall, how much the interest rate can go up over the life of the loan. Mm-hmm. So you've got some sort of protection in there.
0: Yeah. So so who's an arm good for then?
1: <laughs> I think it's good for a lot of people right yeah. now, because as I said earlier, I think interest rates are going to be floating down, and that way you don't have to refinance every single time. Right. More. I mean, it sounds pretty stopped. good to me. <laughs> it, it's been a way for people to really pay less over time. The people who don't like it are people who are... Um, nervous. They get nervous around money and investments, and they worry that interest rates will jump up and they won't be able to do anything. But nothing in real estate happens quite that quickly. I mean, we did see interest rates jump up the fastest ever, but it still happened over, you know, a six or an eight-month period of time. And that's really what you need to keep in mind, is that nothing in real estate is going to happen overnight. You're not going to see interest rates jump up 5% in a day. Mm-hmm. So you've got time to maneuver.
0: And there's still time, listeners, for you to get your questions in to Elise. If you are thinking about buying or selling your home and you're wondering if now's the right time, our number is 866 915 WBEZ. Again, 866 915 WBEZ. Elise, let's jump to the phones. We've got Pamela on the line in Logan Square. Hey, Pamela, welcome to the show.
2: Hey, thank you for having me.
0: Sure. What's your question? Uh-
2: Well, I was wondering if you could speak to kind of like the earlier history, I mean, just prior to mortgage rates being at 0% when money became free, um, a lot of the young people today, you know, there was a time when it seemed, um, you know, mortgage rate, interest rates to buy a home were like at 7%, or I can't remember what the numbers are, but um, which was the norm back then. and it. And when it went down to zero percent, that was just like a, you know, that was just like wild, you know. And this, uh, you know, for all of us who were around, and uh, the young people, they don't even understand uh, paying interest rates because they were zero for for a while for so long. So I'm just wondering if you could speak to that, and that also probably speaks to, I guess, I was putting out that it kind of also speaks to the fact that I guess back in the day when things were, you know, seven percent was a little bit more normal. Uh, that people did stay in their homes longer.
1: Hmm. So, thanks, Pamela, for for your call. Yeah, Pamela brings up a great point. So I love to tell people this, but when I bought our, when my husband and I bought our first house, our interest rate was eleven and three quarter percent, and we felt lucky to have it. And that was way back in nineteen eighty nine, which just yeah tells you how old I am. But the anyway, times, has,
0: times have changed. It went way down, and so we're we're expecting it to stay down.
1: Yeah, we do. And, you know, it it really shifted, um, to Pamela's point, historically after World War II, interest rates were always about 8%, right? Sometimes they were 10% or 11 or 12, and sometimes they were, you know, 5 or 6, but they averaged around 7.5 to 8%. And what ended up happening is around 1993, they dropped below that rate, that average rate for the first time, I don't know, in like 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, And so what you ended up having is this period of time where interest rates were below 7%. And it was a very, it was from 1993 all the way up until, I don't know, last year. So it was a very long period of of super low interest rates. And to Pamela's point, they did get to not quite zero, but 2.5%. If you were lucky enough to have an interest-only loan, you might have gotten it at a little under 2%. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... People have, you know, recent history is what comes to mind. And so young people today, Gen Zs and younger millennials, have no experience, even older millennials, no experience with interest rates above 6%. And so this is quite shocking. There was a study that I think it was Fannie Mae, the secondary mortgage market leader, did a couple of weeks ago. Uh Uh-huh that said that the breaking point for millennials is 5.5%. Above that, they won't buy. Below that, they feel comfortable enough to make an offer. And, and that's interesting. Wow.
0: Times have changed, for sure. Mm. So let's say, Elise, that I, I find a home that I absolutely love. I want to jump on it. What are the practical steps that I have to take to close the deal?
1: Well, get pre-qualified because even if prices have come down a little, uh, there's still a lot of competition. In fact, I think I saw Redfin's latest survey last week that said 60-something percent of Chicago homes are under competition uh, for buyers so people are you're seeing multiple bids again you're seeing people engage and every time there's a little dip in the interest rate there's a kind of a huge glom of interest in buying Mm -hmm. so I would get pre-approved for your loan make sure that you know exactly how much you can afford that the lender has committed in writing to fund your loan if the property appraises out in value okay know where you want to buy know how much you want to spend Make sure you and your spouse or partner, whoever's buying this house with you, make sure you agree on all of those basics and uh, get focused because, you know, at some point in time, you're going to leave your computer, which is where you're doing all your initial shopping for the house, and you're going to have to go see the property and you may have to make a fast move, a fast decision on what you're going to offer and how you're going to conduct the negotiations. And you just want to be prepared.
0: Let's jump back to the phones. Here's Pete in Lake Zurich. Hey, Pete. Hey, how are we doing?
1: Doing well. What's your question today?
2: Uh, It was interesting, the comments about uh, property values and about Illinois being a desirable place to live because of its low home prices. I wanted to know what the role of taxes plays um, in that equation. Um, My general uh, observation is that uh, older people, particularly retired people, complaining about Illinois and taxes and are moving from Illinois for that reason. So can you address the tax issue on um, uh, and, and what it has to do uh, overall in the in the equation?
1: Thanks, Pete. Yeah, great question. So it depends what kind of taxes you're talking about. Chicago's property taxes, city of Chicago, Cook County, are, I think, second or third highest in the nation. It uh, goes to fund things like police and schools, and you know what those are for. Um, on the other hand, if you're a senior living in the state of Illinois, it is one of the most advantageous states to live in because retirement income isn't taxed quite the same way. There are also uh, place, um, things that you can apply for, I think it's when you're 60 or 62, which reduce your property taxes to a degree, uh, so seniors do get a little break there as well. Um, as for people leaving, there are a lot of people leaving the state Uh, There are a lot of reasons that they're doing it. There's a huge migration going on to the southeast, Mm -hmm. not just from Chicago, but, you know, the northeast as well, um, which is terrific. But I, at least here, I don't have to worry about, you know, flooding, (laughs) at least not from Lake Michigan.
0: (laughs) Let's take one last caller. This is Susan. Hi, Susan.
2: Hi. um, I live in the River North area. My husband and I purchased a condominium pre-construction in the old Montgomery Ward catalog building uh, on the North branch of the river. I uh, love where I live. I also am blessed because I have a 250 square foot terrace right outside my den door. And um, my question is uh, actually right now they're working on the uh, Greyhound bus station maintenance center right across the Ogden canal. They're tearing it down and that will intend di- it 10 years, apparently be something called Halstead point uh which is five uh, high rises blah 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 and also down the river and i can see the location from my bedroom window is where the casino is going to go hmm. interesting so i'm
1: just interested in my property value ah yeah you, you know susan a lot I'd be of thinking pe- about
0: that too susan
1: Yeah, it's so true there are a lot of people who are wondering why that location was chosen for the casino when they're building such really nice properties, residential properties right around there on Wolf Point and, you know, other places that are nearby that building. And, you know, really when the Montgomery Ward building was transformed, it was just, I'm going to use the word again, but transformative for that entire neighborhood. Um, I hope that they're going to come up with a really fabulous design for the casino. And I hope that it brings, you know, wonderful growth and employment and other really interesting opportunities for residential living around there. And commercial, too. Um, I do, we do need that engine of growth. Um, just wondering why it wasn't someplace else, like, say, oh, I don't know, McCormick Place. But <laughs> right. anyway, um, I hope, Susan, it works out for you. And I hope you get to enjoy your lovely terrace with the beautiful weather we're having.
0: We'll leave it there. We've been talking with Elise Glink. You can learn more about her work and her many books on finance and real estate at thinkglink.com. Elise, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank
1: you.